Welcome to the New Work Revolution podcast on NewWorkRevolution.com. Take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution. Here's your host, Brandon Allen. All right, welcome back to the New Work Revolution podcast. This is your host, Brandon Allen. And I want to continue our conversation around tough conversations at work. And so last week we talked about follow-up and how essential that is to really building our credibility as a leader When we very first started talking about this conversation, we talked about being supportive. We talked in in episode two about stating the issue clearly. We we talked in in, uh, part three about just working together for a solution and, and, you know, finding that common ground between the two of you to find solutions that work for everyone. And today, though, as, as you've been listening to this, as you've been hearing it, there's a lot of questions that I get around this. When I was uh, leading a, an accountability workshop and we were talking about different models for communication with employees, you know, I had a guy just raise his hand and say, you know, I just don't think this kind of stuff works because my employees are a special kind of challenging. And if you're listening to this and you have employees, you may be thinking the same thing. You may be thinking, man, my employees are a special kind of challenging, and I don't really know if I take this kind of an approach, if this will work out. And so today, part five of having tough conversations at work is all about dealing with healthy conversation derailers. And these things are going to come up. You're going to have, you know, everyone's different. You're going to have employees that that deal with uh, confrontation and feedback Differently, you know, some of them are going are gonna to take it really well and, and take the feedback and learn from it and grow, and that's really awesome. But you're going to have other people that get defensive and, and have other things that come up that aren't so good and, and derail the opportunity to have a healthy conversation. So the first thing I want to talk about is is what happens when someone withdraws or you get passive agreement with no participation in the conversation. So I'll give you an example of what this looked like for my own life. I remember having a boss come down pretty heavy on me early on in my career. And he was saying all this stuff. Some of the stuff I felt like was really disrespectful. I didn't really appreciate it. And as he was done talking, I just, I said, hey, you're right. Thanks for the feedback. Great to hear it. And he thought, well, that is a win. But the whole time he was talking, I just thought, man, when will this asshole quit talking to me and being such a jerk? And so I would just nod my head and be like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, right, mm-hmm, nailed it, yeah, you couldn't have, d-. and all I was doing, trying to do is to get him to stop talking so I could get out of the room with him before I beat the crap out of him because of the, the types of things that he was saying. He thought we had an agreement, but we had no agreement. You know, I was overly agreeable, and I think overly agreeable is a problem. And when you get passive agreement or when you get withdrawal, this is really hard because you need to be able to walk away from that feeling like both parties participated in the conversation. So what's the classic withdrawal uh, statement? And it's, I don't know. People say that all the time. Brandon, I don't know. And here's the thing. with Here's the problem with I don't know. So I think there's a lot of people who think that I don't know isn't a problem. But... I don't know is a huge problem because if you don't know the answers or, or you, don't, you, you don't have any thoughts or ideas on how to solve your problems, 
No one else is going to have those thoughts or ideas for you either. I can't tell you how to live your life correctly. I can't tell you how to do that at work. Now, listen, I can give you advice. I can give you scenarios. I can illustrate times where I've seen something happen and this is how it went down. I can give you all that stuff and that stuff could be helpful, but I can't give you the answers to that. And I don't know means I really, I'm not interested in doing the work that it takes to come up with a solution to my own issue. That's typically what I don't know means. It just means, Brandon, I don't want to do the work that you're requiring of me to think about what this might look like. Now, one way that I address I don't know is, what if you did know? What would it be? Now, it's funny. It sounds really stupid to ask a question like that, but what if you did know tends to actually get people to talk about it and be very candid about what the answer is. Now we're not talking in real specifics. We're just talking in hypotheticals. Hey, what if you did know the answer? Now, that's one approach that you could take to that. Um, or, you know, what you could also just not address the statement at all. I mean, this is a situation where someone may say, I don't know, and I may not address that at all. I may sit there in silence until they start talking. And this can be very powerful. Silence is very uncomfortable for people. Uh, even just a few seconds of silence is enough to get people talking about it because they realize when I'm silent and I'm just sitting there looking at them, they realize I'm not going to accept the answer that they've given me to the question that I asked. So don't be afraid to use silence. People are really afraid to do this, but I want to make sure that I create an, an, an environment where people might get uncomfortable with silence and they might then provide some answers or start talking about uh, what they're doing. Now, uh, if, if I don't like certain answers or, or ways that are engaging, I may just tell them right out, hey, I don't really like the way that you're engaging in this right now. I don't think it's productive, and I'm concerned that it's not going to get us to the solution or to the root cause of the problem that we're talking about. So if I have to, you know, I, I'm going to do that. Now, I, I don't want people, what I don't want is for people to walk out of a, a situation where I give them feedback and they say, okay, that sounds good. And they just walk away. That's a real problem because that tells me that they either, they either think, what a jerk. I can't, you know, I can't believe this guy was talking to me about this. Or they may think it's not that big a deal. So I'm not going to address it. I mean, there's a problem there. So you want, you want to be aware of withdrawal or passive agreement when it comes to confrontation. Now, the second one is one that a lot of people are familiar with. It's defensiveness. People get defensive when they get conf confronted with behavior. They get pissed off. And look, if I do the system right, I'm going to try to minimize putting people in fight. I don't want them in a fight status because you know their prefrontal cortex shuts down when they get into fight. And they're not thinking rationally at that point. I want to keep people out of that status. I really do. I don't want to use words or phrases that may trigger an emotional response to what I'm saying. That's why I want to be very diplomatic when I'm walking people through a process to choose my words very carefully because the wrong set of words can trigger that fight response and then people get defensive. Now, when I have people get defensive and, and especially when there's really no reason for getting defensive... I, I will stop people. I will interrupt their pattern of defensiveness, and I'll just say, hey, listen, I need you to slow down for just a second and hear me out for just a second. I don't know why you're getting defensive. 
I don't think you need to get defensive. And this is not why we're having this conversation. Um, I want to be able to have a healthy conversation around how we work through this. I'm not even saying this solution uh, or this situation is specifically your fault, but you're involved in it. So we're going to talk about it. But when you get defensive, what I know is you stop listening to me and all you can hear is how do I defend my position? And that is not the basis for a healthy conversation. So I will stop someone who's defensive and just decide that, look, um, let's pattern interrupt that. Now, if that doesn't work and people become overly aggressive, I'll just stop the meeting. There's no reason why you have to be in a meeting where, where some, something gets overly aggressive. Um, you know, people get, you know, overly upset about a conversation. There's no reason to have that conversation. Um, you can certainly walk away with from that. And then you've got to decide like, hey, do I want to work with a person that's going to get this aggressive? And, and people sometimes put up with some weird things at work as leaders. They'll put up with overly aggressive behavior that's exhibited towards other teammates, exhibited towards the leader, and they don't do anything about it. They let that person continue to get away with that. And that person's behavior, unfortunately, gets worse and worse. So that is something that you want to address right away. If someone gets defensive and specifically overly aggressive. Now, the third thing, we've all heard this too. Uh, you know, I have kids, so this happens all the time. You confront someone about behavior and what do they do? They blame someone else. So for my kids, if I blame one of them, they, they're quick to blame their sister. Oh, that wasn't me. That was my sister. Um, it's not a bad strategy from their viewpoint. And again, as we're talking about this, the whole point of any of these things, passiveness, defensiveness, blaming others, blaming the leader, all the things that may come up as we talk. This is all about getting the focus off of the person that they don't want to focus on, which is themselves. So I'm going to do anything I can to get the focus off of me if I'm being confronted, and I'm going to put that focus somewhere else so I don't have to feel so darn uncomfortable about what we're talking about. But blaming others is very common. This is a, an opportunity for someone to not take ownership and, and give that ownership to someone else. Now, one of the things that I do when, I'm, when we're talking about blaming others and that comes up is I'll look someone in the eye and just say, hey, why do you think I'm talking to you about this? If, if this is uh, Jenny's fault, why do you think I'm not talking to Jenny? Why do you think it is that I'm talking to you? And all I'm looking for is I want this person to back down from what they're doing and I want them to accept responsibility for the situation and, and acknowledge that there's a reason why I'm talking to them. And look, I want to get them off of, you know, the blaming others is a part of defensiveness. I want to let them know that, look, you're a valued employee. Your status is not being affected here. You're important. What we're doing is important. But hey, we got to talk about the situation. If you blame someone else, it's going to be really hard because look, I don't want that. I don't want to accept the blaming others deal because if they can't get off that, it, at the end of the conversation, they're going to walk away having a sense of feeling like, you know what, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, this is other people's fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm okay. I don't. I don't want them thinking that the the issue that we just addressed is is someone else's fault, not their own. Now, blaming the leader. This is this is a good one, right? You know, hey. Um, you know, we had this conversation, we're, we're angry. And instead of taking some personal responsibility, I'm going to look at the leader in the eye and I'm going to say, Hey, you're just a crappy boss. 
So I didn't get this done because your leadership sucks. You didn't explain it well enough, blah, 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 this and that. And look, I may take some responsibility as a leader for the situation. And as a leader, I should. When people don't perform at the level that I want them to perform at, I've got to examine myself in those situations every single time and think, how did I contribute to this situation? How did we let it get here um, in this situation? How did that happen? But here's the thing. I'm not going to let someone blame me in a way that that completely absolves them from accountability of the situation. So what's common is, well, I didn't really understand how to do that. You didn't explain it well. But my response to that is always, well, when were you going to wait to ask? When's the time that you should have asked? You should have asked right away when you didn't understand it. You didn't. You waited until... I confronted the situation, then you use that as an opportunity to bring up my communication. So either way, even if my communication was poor, your commitment to getting this done is not much better. And so I want to address that with my team. If they blame me, uh, and if the blame becomes too heavy, you know, let's say they just say, hey, you're a crappy boss overall. That, that certainly could happen. I, I, I will stop someone and say, hey, listen, we can have a separate meeting if you would like about my ability to lead and we can make it all about that at, at a later time. Today though, my leadership is not the topic of the conversation. The topic of the conversation is this situation that didn't get handled or this situation that needs to be addressed over here. Let's take a separate time. If you want to talk about my leadership and how ineffective it is, I'm totally open to having that conversation, but we're not going to talk about that today. Again, I want them to know that, look, we're laser focused on an agenda. It's not about me today. We can make it about me later. I'm fine with that. And I'll, I'll create the time and space for that conversation to happen. We will have the shitty boss conference anytime you want. And we can talk about my inadequacies as a leader. And there may be even some validity to the inadequacies that get brought up. That's fine. But in this conversation, I want to keep our eye on the specific ball that we need to keep it on and keep it very focused to the topic at hand. So be on the lookout for these things. These are probably the most common. There are probably others. And if you want to share those at newworkrevolution.com, by all means, uh, please enlighten us with the things that you've heard. But these four things tend to be the most common issues that derail a healthy conversation. It's the passive agreement or total withdrawal of the situation, it's over-aggressive or defensive behavior, it's blaming others or blaming the boss. Those are all things that come out. Hopefully you got some ideas of how you can address that and handle that because the real important thing here is when you're having a healthy conversation and you're confronting an issue, I want to stay on topic. If we get on topic, then the person that I'm talking to ultimately wins in that situation. And unfortunately, when they win that conversation... Everyone loses because the issue that needed to get addressed didn't get addressed, and, and, and that's a shame. So um, hit me up at newworkrevolution.com if you've got any questions. If you thought this was helpful and you think other leaders would benefit from you know how to handle situations that come up where people try to derail conversations, by all means, share this with them. Uh, like it on the, uh, on, on the different social media channels, and... We will be back next week with another episode. So this is Brandon Allen from the New Work Revolution podcast. 
I'm signing off. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the New Work Revolution podcast on newworkrevolution.com. Until next time, take your business leadership to the next level and join the revolution.